to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Thank you so much for being here. I am so grateful to Reverend Larry. He invited me to fill in for him on his day off. I just know he's having a fabulous time wherever he is. So welcome, everyone. Today, my talk is radical compassion. And wow, if we ever needed compassion, it was this week, right? Uh, hurricanes, fires, uh, another police shooting, more social justice demands, um, just in the middle of a, of a pandemic. It's just a, an extraordinary time that we're in. So right now, let's just take a breath. And let's just send love and light to all those places that are in need, to all those places that are hurting. We know love fills each one of them. You know, I talked with a client this week, and she shared that she was having a lot of fear, that she was afraid of getting sick. She was afraid of going out, that when she went out, she wasn't doing the right things to keep herself safe. She was afraid of being alone. She was worried about the election, worried about social justice. And she said, I don't know what's wrong with me. She said, I have a spiritual practice. I meditate every day. I do my prayer work. I do my practice. But I'm still afraid. I don't know what's wrong with me. Wow. Can you relate? I sure can. I assured her there is nothing wrong with her. This is an amazing time of uncertainty and unrest. And what is she, she's feeling is not only her own fear, but she's feeling the race consciousness of fear, the unpredictability that's happening around the world right now. And even when we have a moment when we feel like for this moment things are okay, you may have noticed that there's a kind of free-floating anxiety that goes on inside, kind of like, what's going to happen next? Or is everything okay? But the challenge with this comes when we tap into the belief that there's something wrong with me. When we do that, we're mindlessly reacting to the world instead of mindfully responding to our circumstances. Do you see the difference? When we react to the world, we're mindlessly reacting to all the activity out there instead of mindfully responding. How could I do this differently? What is it that I need to know? Because when we mindfully respond, we can take action, right? We can speak up. We can contribute. We can be an advocate, we can join a cause, we can take action to resolve our fear. That's when we're mindful and we want to respond to something. But when we're not in our conscious awareness, in our mindfulness, we tend to react 
And oftentimes we feel like a victim. We feel that victim consciousness and feel helpless and hopeless. What's needed right now more than ever is for us to own our own power and to have the courage to face this ever-changing world. Years ago, in Thailand, there was an amazing statue of Buddha, and it was plaster and clay, and it wasn't especially beautiful, but the local people loved it and honored it. And they were getting ready to move it, and they noticed there were a lot of cracks in the clay. And one of the monks went to examine the crack, and when he peered inside, there was something luminous gleaming back at him. And he called the other monks, and they began to chip away at the plaster. What was underneath the plaster was a solid gold Buddha. The monks believe that over the years, people covered it, covered it up with plaster and clay to protect it, protect it from the elements, protect it from invading armies. And so when they were done, they had the solid gold Buddha, the largest statue in Southeast Asia. I really love the heart of this story, that inside each of us is that golden space. It's gold. It's our divinity. It's our connection with God. What happens is that we cover that up when we're dealing in the world, when we're dealing with stress, we're dealing with uncertainty, we're dealing with our day-to-day issues, and we tend to cover up our good with our strategies, with our limiting beliefs or our behaviors. And so we cover it up and we forget who we are. We forget at the center of life is gold, is that oneness with God. When we get stressed, we get defensive, insecure, we get caught in our own self-importance. And what happens is that we're, we're caught in our covering and we forgot the true self that's inside. And these negative or false beliefs come from early years of behavior that we've developed over time. And so there's a, a term for this. We have a survival-driven negativity bias. So what that means is we remember painful events more readily than pleasant ones. We remember when someone says something critical more than when someone says something affirming, right? We remember the dog bite more than the beautiful sunset. Psychologist Rick Hansen says, the brain is Velcro for negative experiences and Teflon for the positive ones. So we hang on to the negative and the positive ones come and go. We need to change that around. And so then there's a a term you might have heard recently, but then that's even threatened more with something called confirmation bias. 
And that's when we focus on information that matches what we already believe. It reinforces our existing beliefs. And particularly in the case when it's charged issues like our value as a person. And so we gather proof. My client had proof. She was collecting proof that she wasn't okay, that there was something wrong with her. And so we make a case for our personal deficiency. Author Tara Brock says, she has a name for this, the trance of unworthiness. That we are in an unconscious state, disconnected from the whole of reality. It's easy to feel walled off and separate from those around you. Sometimes we're so deep in this trance that when we are poked or provoked or pushed, we just bury the feelings and the hurt because we've developed that technique to not pay attention to it. I can't deal with it. Let's just bury it. But when we do that, we cover up our compassionate heart. And that's not what we want. That's not what we want to be. But the trance is unseen. So being the good spiritual beings that we are, we commit to doing our work. So today, I'm going to release my judgment and my negativity. I'm going to be better today. I'm going to be the presence of love in my community and with my family. But have you ever noticed that the moment you make a declaration like that, that you decide to be good, everything unlike that comes up to be healed? I know I have. So maybe you have an experience where your coworkers forget to tell you that there's a Zoom meeting where they're making important decisions about your project. Or your brother calls and he was supposed to show up to take care of your parents and he forgot, so now it's your job. Or your significant other complains about the meal you prepared that you spent all afternoon over. The people that we were wanting to embrace, to love, to show our compassion for, poked us and pushed our buttons. Isn't it interesting how others will find the exact spot to push, the exact place where we've been hiding that belief, covering it up, and they find that wound and poke it? What happens when they do that is they tap into our belief and unworthiness. It's that place where we, we are secretly feeling less than, feeling invisible and sometimes unappreciated, where we've ignored it and suppressed it. And so the single most important tool for emotional healing is self-compassion. And Tara Brock calls that radical compassion. And she says, that means free from limiting stories about ourselves and others, free from chronic blaming. She said it means to include the vulnerability of this life, of all life in our heart. 
It means having the courage to love ourselves, love each other, and the world. I heard a story about a, a woman that sat with her dying mother. Her mother had been in a coma for a long time, and this woman sat with her. And suddenly, the mother woke up, and she said, all my life, I believed that I wasn't enough. That was it. She closed her eyes, and a short time later, she passed away. The daughter said that was the greatest gift she could have been given because it brought her to realize how insidious and how deep that place is of unworthiness inside each of us. Tara Brock says that we suffer from a type of homesickness. We feel a dis-ease when we're not at peace with ourselves. Do you notice that? I feel it in the gut. You might find where, where it is for you, but I feel it in the gut. And, and when I, my stomach's uneasy, I know that there's a dis-ease that's going on. But you know, it's a learned experience. And children haven't developed that yet. They have an aura of aliveness, an awareness of their sense of self. There were children in an art class at a Waldorf school. There were four at a table, and this little girl was really into her drawing. And as the teacher was walking around the room, she asked the little girl, what are you drawing? And without looking up, she said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the, the teacher chuckled and she said, oh, honey, nobody knows what God looks like. Without looking up or skipping a beat, the little girl said, they will when I'm finished. We, as adults, we forgot that confidence of who we are, that connection with the divine. And so our spiritual path, our learning is to remember the gold and to live from the gold, loving in our loving awareness of our true self. And as we develop greater self-compassion, we can extend it to others and have greater freedom. Compassion is cultivated with practice. And it's so wonderful that you as a community are working together on Gabriel Bernstein's Judgment Detox book because that's spiritual practice. That's developing compassion. And you're not only doing it for yourself, but as you do it collectively, you do it for your community. So that's a great example of doing that. George Washington Carver said, how far you go in life depends on you being tender with the young, compassionate with the aged, sympathetic with the striving, tolerant with the weak and the strong. Because someday in life, you will have been all of these. Pretty powerful, huh? So how do we get back to that confidence and back to that compassionate heart in living in love? How do we stay present with our community and not fall into our own pain and suffering from the past? Well, another one of my favorite authors is Brene Brown. 
She's an author and research professor. And she says, we can choose to live a wholehearted life. And she says, wholehearted living is about engaging in our lives from a place of worthiness. It means cultivating the courage, compassion, and connection to wake up in the morning and think, no matter what gets done today, and no matter how much is left undone today, I am enough. Wouldn't that be great? No matter what gets done today or whatever is left undone, I am enough. She says, wholehearted living is not a one-time choice, but it's a process. It's a journey of a lifetime. And so she says, practicing courage, compassion, and connection is how we cultivate this worthiness. Courage to do our own work, compassion for ourselves and others, and connection of loving our community. So she says, courage is about putting our vulnerability on the line. In today's world, that's pretty extraordinary. And it takes courage to be on a spiritual journey, doesn't it? Courage to do your own work, to face your fears, to take responsibility, to give up blame. I remember when I attended my first Science of Mind class, it was a light bulb moment when I realized that no one was responsible for my happiness, no one was responsible for my pain. I have to take responsibility. It says something that my boyfriend paid for me to take the class. So I kind of remember there was a lot going on at that time. I think I was in that place of blame. And so suddenly I had this revelation Instead of projecting it out there, I needed to take responsibility. And that takes courage. Nelson Mandela says, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. Brene says, compassion is not usually our first response to suffering because our first response is to protect ourselves. And that's where we look to blame and we shield ourselves. But what would it be like if instead of blame, there was less anger and more accountability? What if we blamed less and had more respect for boundaries? When we feel compassion for ourselves, it's easier to feel that for others. And that's when we have connection. We have courage to do our work, compassion about the work, and then we make the connection with others. Connection is the energy that exists between people when they feel heard, seen, and appreciated. Brene says, the wholehearted journey is not the path of least resistance. It's a path of consciousness and choice. The willingness to tell our stories, to feel the pain of others, and to stay connected in this disconnected world is not something we can do half-heartedly. She says, to practice courage, compassion, and connection is to look at life and the people around and say, I'm all in. She says, the heart of compassion is really acceptance.
And that's when we know that we've moved through and had the courage and compassion, where we feel that connection with others when we have that opening. Because we're living in a scary time of change and transformation. There's a lot of uncertainty and fear. And this is exactly why we are here. We have been called to this time. We have been called to do this deeper work. We can't afford to sit back and wait and see what will happen. We, each of us, is being called to clean up our limiting beliefs, our unhealed resentments, our sense of separation, our trance of unworthiness. We're being called to consciously look and to heal that. And it's a time for us to stand in courage, compassion, and connection so we can be part of the solution of a world that works for everyone. That with all the things we see going out around us, that we have the tools, we have the resources, we have the gold, the connection with divinity where we can see the greater good. And so I close with this quote from Ernest Holmes. We are on the verge of a great spiritual awakening. The world is undergoing the death throes of an old order and the travails of a new birth. And whether or not it remains suspended in a state of intermediate coma or passes immediately into the heaven of divine promise, will depend entirely upon how many of the ancient corpse it's willing to lose. It is as certain as the laws of nature are immutable that someday the world will be reborn, resurrected into a consciousness of unity, cooperation, love, and collective security. And so let us pray. So just breathing into this sacred moment of now, acknowledging the power and the presence of the gold that is the divinity in each one of us, I absolutely know that right where I stand is that divine wisdom, that divine knowingness, that unlimited source that is God. And it is that presence moving in and through and as me and all humanity. And it is humanity is lifted up this day. I know humanity is blessed. Humanity is resurrected into that place of compassion, of courage, of connection. And I know for each one of us, whatever it is that we are called to do, we have the courage to step out. We have the compassion for ourselves and for others. And we step out into that connection, knowing that each one of us is at the source, at the pure source, that pure gold, the center of all good. And so I know that as we go out this day, that each of us is called to be that greater good in the world, to be that expression of love, to be that expression of grace, to be the allness that is God. So I'm so grateful to know this, for this blessing, for this teaching, for this awareness. I release this word with deep gratitude and love. And together we proclaim.
And so it is. Thank you so much. This is our time of conscious giving. And we are so grateful that you chose to join us here today and so grateful for the gifts that you give. Whether you give by mail or by phone or by the website, there's so many ways and we're grateful for each one of them. If you'd like to know more, you can go to our website, cslportland.org, and you can hit the donate button at the bottom. However you choose to give, we're truly grateful for your generosity. And so taking your gift and holding it in your heart, please repeat after me. Graciously, I give from a place of love, knowing that as I give, so do I richly receive. And so it is. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.